Hello and welcome to the Data for Subscriptions podcast, where we focus on how to succeed with usage-based business models and as-a-service businesses. I am your host, Berat Bonin, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Demed, CTO and Head of Product at Digital Route. Welcome, Demed. Hi, Berat. So today we're going to speak about journey to usage, i.e., how companies really leverage usage data to transition towards whether we call it subscriptions or usage-based businesses or as a service. But before we get to the how, let's talk about why. Why should companies care so deeply about mastering usage data? I think today we see that every single company out there is doing what we call transformation as a service. Whether you're selling software, whether you're selling hardware, whether you're selling any type of other services, you are actually moving from selling boxes, selling CDs, selling movies, to offering everything at the service. And if you don't understand how people are using these services that you're implementing, you are going to be, you're going to find yourself into a lot of problems. How do you know that you're not leaking revenue, meaning that you are delivering services that are not being built? How do you know that you are pricing your services right? How do you know that your customer is actually using the service and won't churn next week? So understanding the usage is important, regardless of whether you are billing based on usage or you're simply charging a flat fee. You need to understand usage to be successful in your transformation as a service. When you meet customers, typically what are the types of questions that uh, you see they struggle with? Well, I think we, at Digital Route, we do have two big segments of customers. We've got very large customers. Customers coming from telecommunication business, teleco telecommunication providers, for instance, or cloud service providers, you know, some of the big threes out there. And we have on the other side of the spectrum, some smaller specialized companies who are simply starting their digitalization journey. And I think their problems are quite different. Um, I think on, this, on, on the first side, a lot of these companies have homegrown usage data systems. And for them, they understand that they need more flexibility. On the other side, um, I think we do have uh, customers who maybe actually do not even understand they have a data problem. For them, the transformation as a service means, what do you think they would think about? They, they, they're moving from selling, let's say, a vacuum cleaner to offering it a service. What do you think the first thing they will think they need in terms of IT? Most likely uh, some form of a billing system. Right. And, and that is not wrong. They will need probably to update their billing systems. But... The main mistake that these customers tend to do is that they don't realize they have a big usage data problem first. The billing system will not ingest all usage data. The billing system needs some very clean, very well-packaged data in order to be efficient. Is this because of lack of knowledge or just a misunderstanding of what billing systems actually do or don't? I think it's just that... Uh, you know, we're all doing this for the first time. I mean, of, of many of these customers are doing it for the first time. So it's easy to, to not see that problem. I mean, it's easy to understand that your billing system needs to change. You're no longer billing for goods. You're no longer billing for boxes. You're billing for a monthly subscription. So that's an obvious thing that you need to do. Understanding that there's a usage problem as well, sorry, a data problem, is not obvious. And this is why it's not until you try it... If, to be frank, a lot of customers that we see come to us after they failed. They tried to do this internally or they, they purchased a brand new billing system and suddenly they realize, well, we do also have a data problem, right? So it's not until you try oftentimes that you, you know you have a problem. Have you seen best practices and can you talk about which those are? So, you know, some of our 
their partners might not necessarily like what I have to say, but I've got to sometimes I would say that thinking about the data problem first and then doing the building transformation could be a good way to move forward, right? Because at the end of the day, what you, even an old fashioned billing systems provided you give that billing systems the right billable items can issue a bill that will fulfill your subscription needs or others. Eventually you're going to run out of steam with that billing system most likely. You will need to transform as well. But it could be a good way in a, to look at this this way, which is let's deal with the data problem with our existing billing systems and let's do the billing transformation next because billing transformation is a hard problem, probably even bigger than the data problem itself. It's a long-term project. So you need to find the right partner, the right vendor, and it's a pretty massive transformation. Well, managing... Um, the data and setting that up in a good way create leniency for the billing transformation project in itself, in your experience? I think so. We even had, uh, I was sitting at a dinner the other day and one of her partner, implementation partners, was uh, telling me that Digital Rod was the best insurance policy they had in, in billing transformation projects. So yes, it is because, you know, one of the challenges as you move to transformation of service is often scalability of your billing system. And what we do at Digital Rad, we'll talk a little bit more about this, but you can see us as a, as a funnel. We take all this massive amount of data, we package it, we digest it, and we give only whatever the billing system needs in order to, to progress. So in a way, we are a protection to your billing system. So we can help a lot of scalability issues, for instance. When you speak about the masses of data, can you give us a little bit more explicit numbers of what we're talking about here? Talking about billions of events per day. So just to give you an idea, we are, our platform supports um, the largest mobile operator in the world in India today with millions of subscribers. Every single text message that is sent on their platform hits us and we can count we used to say that we count every bit, but that's what we do. Each and every message sent by these millions of subscribers in India actually hit our systems. And we're able to to process all of this, message it, um, digest it, summarize it, and give it in a proper and clean way to the, to the billing system. When we speak about different industries, different types of businesses, the best practices that you talked about now, do you see them being replicable across cases or do you see them being different? No, I think it's it's quite replicable. I mean, and, and you know, I don't know, I think you've talked about Disharad and Nari's story in the past, right? When you look at, we we started our journey with the telecommunication providers. And, you know, when you look at the telecommunication providers, actually they've innovated a lot of the business models that we see now in all of the industries, right? So they started with charging you for each and every text message that you were sending. Then they moved to flat fees. Then they moved to a mixed model where you can only send so much for a flat fee, tier models. Um, and this is exactly what's happening for everybody else, right? So today you could, for instance, instead of uh, buying a vacuum cleaner, you get the vacuum cleaner for free and you're going to be paying for the number of square meters that the vacuum cleaner will Will, will clean in your in your home and you can go between certain limits. So w- what we learned doing this for decommission providers is now perfectly applicable to everybody. Of course, our challenge at Dishanrat is to make this as simple as possible. We do understand that our new breed of customer does not have the same interest and the same capacity to deal with these very technical decommission pri- um, platforms. 
And that's what we do, which is really simplifying the problem, prepackage a lot of these patterns that we see and make it available to everybody because there's no need to reinvent the wheel. So let's uh, step into the journey to usage conversation that I flagged earlier and let's talk very hands-on about how we actually see companies taking the steps. And I'm going to just pull up a slide that we can have in the background. And I suggest that we just start simply by you walking us through what we're looking at here between the eight different steps. Yeah, and, and these steps are not exactly, uh, you know, it's not a map that you need to follow step by step. I would say the first few steps need to be done in sequence more or less, but the rest is depending on what you need to achieve. But when it comes to usage data, the first thing you need to do is, of course, you need to connect to your production systems. They could be video servers, they could be these robots and IoT platforms that we discussed earlier, and you need to connect to these platforms and collect the data. That itself, when you're talking about the type of um, scale that we see sometimes, can be a challenge in itself. But I would say, in a way, it's, it's the simplest thing we do. The next one is, once you have this raw data, the next thing is you need to start putting some context on it, some color on it. So you need to structure and bind this data to, for instance, you know, that packet that came in saying that this user ID watched that movie yesterday. You need to assign this to a customer, an actual customer with an address and everything. So that's what we do. We start binding all these obscure records and mapping them to, uh, to customer data from your CRM system or, or whatever. That would be step number two. Step number three is, you know, we start showing some insight into all of this because it's important to keep an eye on this just by looking and when I say looking I don't necessarily mean visually looking but keeping an eye on this data can tell you a lot of things that by itself you know you can see that you have a drop in usage data by 20% this month what does that mean is that a commercial problem or is that an IT problem so giving some insight into what's happening is 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 very very important the next one is start when you start getting into the business problems which is now you've got your data records all of these are identified by bound to users. Now, how do you put a monetary value to this? Uh, the first thing is you need to <clears throat> probably assemble it in what we call buckets, right? So, and this is, I think, a, a key thing to think about. Oftentimes, we're compared to integration technologies. And, you know, at a high level, you might think we look the same. We're connecting to data sources on one side, on the other side. But the big difference is that we're actually not moving things around simply. When we're getting things and then we're putting them in buckets for maybe 30 days. So you've been watching three movies yesterday, two movies uh, the week before. We're holding on to this and think that it's not just one bit at, right? There's millions of subscribers or viewers. We, that's the first thing we do. We start putting these in buckets. And then we start maybe assigning value to some of these if you're doing usage-based billing, for instance. Yep. So moving into something that's called rating. Sometimes it's just about metering because maybe it's a flat fee. But there also be a flat fee sometimes where you have limits into what you do. So we need to make sure that, hey, but that you've already watched your six premium movies this month. The seven ones, you're going to have to pay for it. That's also something you can do at this step. Uh, step number five is monetization. That's really when you move into usage-based billing or some of these other things when you go beside, beyond your thresholds. I would say this one is, I think, pretty obvious for everybody to understand. Right? You watch so many things or you, you use this... Um, this mobility service for five kilometers last night, this mm -hmm. is what you're going to pay. And, and typically, this is also when we start interacting with the billing system, 
right? We've put uh, everything in buckets. We message it um, along the way the billing system wanted them. And now it's ready for billing. Number six is call that assurance. And, and I think that's a, an important one. And for one very big reason is that itself, if you keep your eye on this one, you could basically get everything we do and all the people to implement it for free. I mean, literally, right now, I think it was Forrester, we estimated that the average company today is leaking revenue up to 10% of their operating income. I mean, 10%. So that by itself is something that will pay off for any digital project. What that means is that by moving away from all these disparate processes, all these uh, homegrown systems that are disconnected from each other, sometimes a lot of manual processes. I mean, literally, we're working with cloud providers where the billing is done using Excel spreadsheets and email. When you move from all these different disparate systems to something cleaner, automated, mm. you can actually plug a lot of holes and basically revenue leakage is eliminated. Even if you don't eliminate your 10% of revenue leakage, even if you limit, eliminate only 3 4%, that's your project paid just right there. So revenue assurance is quite important. The next one is maybe for customers who are maybe a bit more advanced on their journey to usage. It's about entitlement. And it's when people are, <coughs> companies are getting a bit more refined in their business models. For instance, they have some type of, um, of models where you might have a flat fee, but you can only consume so much. And then after you step out of these uh, limits, you might be billed for extra charges. Or you might also have some premium movies, for instance. So entitlements is something that we can do and enable this, I would say, more refined uh, business models. Um, settlement is one of my favorite ones to explain because whenever I talk about this one, I, I mean, it makes sense for everybody, but nobody thought about it, right? Um, and the, the example I would give here is if you uh, think about movie streaming services, we're all paying for movie streaming services and it's always a flat fee. So the question I get is, why would you need digital route to do this? Just a flat fee. doesn't matter what people watch. What the thing that people are missing is that if you watch five movies from that streaming service, three might, be co might have been produced by one studio, the other two by another studio, mm -hmm. right? And the streaming service will have to pay royalties back to the studios depending on who watch what. And unless they understand who watch what and unless they usage, they cannot do this. That's what we call partner settlement being able to understand who delivered what, and so that to make sure that all the partners were involved in delivering the service. And here had the, the example of a, of a movie service, but it can be anything, right? Because typically a digital service today is assembled through multiple partners, whether they're external partners or internal partners, to make sure that everybody get their fair share of the pie of that flat fee that you're collecting from you, your subscribers. So staying with cars as subscriptions, we talked about Volvo. We uh, have seen Ford positioning themselves as a mobility company. We've seen BMW in the last couple of weeks being out and talking about the fact that you can buy a car, then you can pay for having car seat heating. It's quite clear to me, we are early days, quite a lot of experimentation ongoing. Where do you see this market and this kind of use case going? Yeah, I think you said experimentation is probably the right term and you need agility in order to be able to experiment. And you need to experiment because, you know, as we come out of COVID, we all suffer from subscription fatigue. 
we all have have at least uh, four streaming services at home. I can tell you for sure that I will have to terminate two of them. I haven't watched any movies over the past two months on them. And again, it boils down to usage data. I'm still paying my bill, but if you look at my usage, there's nothing on these. And so what I would have liked to is that these companies looking at my usage, which is zero at this point, should have been able to come to me and say, hey, by the way, you're not watching movies. What about if we give you a discount? Because I'm just going to churn. And I think it's a bit the same with these companies are taking it to the next level where basically they are thinking, can we actually put a price on seat heating, right? I think they will need to experiment. And in order to be able to experiment and be agile, you need to understand user data. So are people using the feature? Because they've done the using the seat heater because they live in Florida and they use it two days a year. They are going to, to be not they're not going to be happy when they have to pay it at the end of the month. So I think this is quite important and to for everybody to understand that people will need to iterate on these business models right now and they need agility. And if you build everything yourself, it might work, but you're not going to be agile. And I think that's the really important message from you is yes, experiment, but the foundation needs to be agility. And the key to that is obviously making sure that you can have full control and visibility over your usage data. Correct. And I don't want to make this conversation about the BMW case. I think in the case of that situation, we can call it absolutely experimentation. Maybe that wasn't the ideal example. I'm sure they're going to figure it out. But if, as you said, if they can really track usage and also before they even introduce anything by just keeping track of usage, that's the insight that they gain, which is really imperative. Yes. And you mentioned subscription fatigue and I've now, and I can probably most people have seen the same is that Disney and Netflix who've been two poster childs for this whole subscription fatigue conversation. Now they're introducing different models. I know at least Netflix has for as many years that I've used them. I, it's been a really good model. You pay a, fairly low fee, and then you get access to their complete library. Now my understanding is that they're going to introduce lower tiers, so to say, and also ad-based. What is your expectation in terms of where they're going? And is it doing what you just said in terms of tracking your usage and maybe bumping you down or bumping you up? I think what I love, I love Netflix because I've been using them since they were sending DVDs in red envelopes when I was living in the U.S., and I love that service at the time, and I've been part of their journey ever since. So it's quite interesting to see now this new model. And it goes back to what we were discussing a bit earlier in the journey to usage, the settlement part, uh, sorry, entitlement part, right? Which is if they want to do this type of things, which is ad-based, maybe uh, some free model or a lower tier model, then they need to, to set some limits. Okay, you're getting a, a free or cheaper subscription, but you've got some limits. And somebody needs to be able to track usage and set the limits and act upon when you hit your limits, right? And so that's exactly what we mean by entitlement. And that's what I was saying a bit earlier, which is entitlement is a bit for customers and companies who are a bit more advanced in the maturity model. And Netflix is, is as mature as anybody gets when it comes to subscription. I'm personally super curious about the ad-based model that they're going to introduce, because at least... For me and everybody I've spoken to so far over the years, what we love about the fact that there are no ads, I think all of us are quite fed up with everything that has ads. I'm at least uh, looking forward to seeing how it's going to evolve. So going back to the journey to usage. So you mentioned 
initially when you explained this to us is that don't see this as a map where you enter on step one and you exit on step eight. So let me give you two scenarios and if you can help us paint the picture. So let's assume we have one type of customer who is now moving from selling products to stepping into outcome-based or usage-based. How do you use the journey to usage as a conversation enabler and a guide for them? The first question would be, where where are they today? Because I would say, based on the, the, the scenarios you give me, you've given me, I think some of these customers might already have their, or think they have their ducks in a row when it comes to one, two, three, right? They're already collecting data, they're already structuring and binding it. So the first question I would have for them is, obviously you're doing it today, it works. Is that... Agile enough, right? Um, if you want to start experimenting with everything you're talking about, are you able to do that simply or is that a three-month IT project? Yeah, the first question would be that, which is, yes, you can do it. How agile are you with this uh, with these considerations? So the second scenario is when you're already providing subscriptions, you've done that for a few years, you have a revenue stream coming, but now you're hitting the ceiling. Yep. Whether you're seeing your customers maybe churn or you simply want to evolve your business models to provide variations and personalization. That is probably when I suspect that a lot of customers today have also chosen the subscription flat fee as a convenient path, right? Because the fact is today, most of these companies give you everything unlimited. And so I would say most of them are probably not keeping track of how much you're watching. And that's, again... You know, one of the, the streaming service we're discussing earlier, that was one of the issue, right? There were people were sharing accounts across. I mean, if you keep really keeping track of usage. So these customers typically now are entering this second maturity phase. They've done the subscription service and now they want to refine it. And I think it's going to be refined in two ways. It could be we see people abusing the service. We see some part of the service not being monetized. Or we also want to better understand how people are using it because actually we don't know if people are going to churn. Again, we we are not keeping track of how much to actually consume. We're just billing them at the end of the month. So I would say, yeah, these customers will probably be coming to us for one of these three things. Help us understand how people use the service so we can prevent them from churning. You know, we can get all the data we, we're getting, you can you know, feed this into your machine learning and customer churn um, algorithm or help me refine my service to make sure I'm more attractive as well. Let's wrap it up around execution again. We've already talked about what's the best way to approach it. Concentration needs to be on data. And you've already talked about software and what we do at Digital Route. But a frank question is this, is Digital Route's purpose-built software the only option on the market to do the job? It is probably the only option in its class. And as you know, it's a bit of a blessing and a curse because we don't really have anybody to compare to. I think typically you have two types of options today in the market. You've got very mature but very heavy um, mediation solutions for the telecommunication world. Something we play in as well, but we, we have a difference, which is we play with other areas as well. And then you've got some more lightweight, very close to billing API-driven solutions that are emerging out there. It's very unclear how much track record they have, how much scale can they provide. Today, I think there is two things in the market. There is us and homegrown solutions. These are really, this is our main competition today. And when you talked about that 
you have very robust systems in the telecommunication world and we're there, but we're also in the enterprise space and the lightweight API driven options and the homegrown is what we've seen more in the enterprise space. Do you see a scenario where a customer would see the benefit of using one of these lightweight options, i.e. not using best practice and a purpose-built software? I do see a lot of customers starting with their own homegrown solutions for sure. I think you can go a certain way. If you're a young company, you're building one service, very homogeneous service, you know exactly how it behaves. You already have kind of tied your business model to that service. You can probably go a certain time, amount of time without needing to deploy a platform like ours. When you're going to need us is as soon as you need a little more flexibility because either you start building other services that look a bit different Maybe you join another company and you've got different systems, iterative systems, or you want to start iterating on your business models. That's when you probably want to talk to us. But I'm sure you can go a certain amount of time with just your homegrown solution if all you have is one service, homogeneous, and a simple business model. But going back to uh, when we started our discussion and you explained what consistently are the types of challenges that you see when you meet customers. It's quite apparent to me that getting it right from the beginning gives you a tremendous upper hand. And I'll give just one more nugget. I was looking into SaaS companies that have been providing subscription-based services for a couple of years. Consistently, a majority of them were saying that the next step for them, whether because they're forced to, maybe because of churn, say, or the fact that they've hit the ceiling on business growth, they need to move to usage-based. One of the concerns is provides a bit of insecurity and volatility now that they're going to move to usage-based because not everything is set up in the best way for. So to me, that speaks very highly of get it right for how you manage and master the data from the beginning and grow with it. And at the end of the day, it also boils down to who you are as a, as a service provider. You, you don't necessarily want to spend your skilled resources in doing something that, you know, we, we can do better and not, not to, uh, not to be arrogant, but, but simply because that's what we do every day. Right. I mean, and same thing goes for us. What we want to do is focus on what makes our company unique. Many of these service providers are delivering some unique services in healthcare, in high tech manufacturing. That's what they want to focus on the underlying infrastructure well, you know, they can uh, they can find better ways to achieve that. We're one of them. I like to think we're the best one at this, but uh, it's a matter of uh, opinion. They made any final thoughts for us and some advice to leave us with? Well, I think my final thoughts will go back to how we started this podcast, which is oftentimes when companies start their transformation as a service, they're thinking subscription, usage-based, we need a new billing system. My advice would be don't overlook the data problem that goes with it. As a matter of fact, I would even argue that maybe you want to start by tackling the data problem, go a certain way with your existing billing system, understand better the limitation of that billing systems, and then you'll be in a better position to start this very ambitious project of a billing transformation. Don't forget the data problem. That's a great point to end on. Thank you so much, Demet. I appreciate it. Thank you.